The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance Media Podcast. As always, in our mega studio, Garage Mahal, we have Pastor Nate Wright and Chris Poots, not a pastor, layman guy. In our in our mega studio, is that what you called it? Yeah, I like I when, when I'm referred like to as Grayskull. <laughs> that nice. I uh, as soon as you call it a mega studio, I feel like and and you just call me P Nate. I feel like I'm in a mega church, right? Like you know what I mean? Like it's a mega studio. Like this is the mega church of recording studios <laughs> this would this this studio though would be would would fit in with like an elevation totally or, or totally like, i feel I mean, like furtick isn't recording in anything better than what we've got no i'm fairly confident we this is the one area other than theology and you know actually being christian but that we beat him in. wow Did wow you just threw that out there yeah Let's let's uh, let's switch gears here before we get a bunch of angry emails. Uh, we are proud members as well as the, of the uh, Berean Media Network. Uh, that's a group of podcasts um, that have partnered together to bring you sound theology. Notice the pun on sound because we're all podcasts. <laughs> and in this podcast of networks, uh, you have the Front Pew, uh, which comes out on Mondays. It's a, a podcast by pastors for pastors. Uh, they've been doing a great series recently, actually, on um, on kind of the different roles that pastors take on. I listened to uh, one a couple weeks ago that I found very helpful was uh, Pastor as Counselor. But uh, the last couple of weeks, they've gone into Pastor's Leader, Pastor's Theologian. Uh, a couple weeks before that, there was uh, Pastor as um, Disciple Maker. So uh, their series has been great. Um, we also have the Layman's Cup. Layman's Cup uh, comes out on Mondays as well. And uh, they've been talking about uh, abortion and some of the, the stuff that uh, they support uh, in terms of the crisis pregnancy centers and stuff like that. Uh, and of course, our friends, the, the Two Thieves, who come out on Thursdays and or Fridays. And, uh, and they, stirred, they stirred some stuff up recently, talking about uh, the Southern Baptist Convention and, uh, and I guess some of the divide, theological divide that's in there. And, uh, and I thought that was interesting because uh, you, you and I, and maybe this will launch us into Rebel News a little bit, uh, but we are part of a, uh, a church that is a, it's part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is a de- denomination that has its own theological divide. Not so much with Calvinism and Arminianism, which is uh, what the Southern Baptist Convention mm. is facing, but uh, for us, it's the egalitarian-complementarian divide. Yeah. 
So, uh, so we, anyway, we could relate a lot with, uh, some of the things they were talking about in that episode. Denominations can get, uh, it, it's just interesting, right? Because you'll always have those people, whether it's in a church or in a denomination who say, well, we can still be united in mission, even though we have differ theologically. And, uh, there's a lot of stuff to sort through when you start talking about stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's funny. Denominations are a tricky subject within our faith, but also when we, when we try to evangelize because they get like people point out, you guys can't all agree on everything. Right. And, and they don't grasp that what a denomination is, is really us trying to find truth. And sometimes in that, in those denominations, we're going to, we're going to differ on what that is. And, and we're called to hold to what is true. So we can't necessarily always just get along. It's not, it's right. not that easy. Right. Right. So. And, and I think that, uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit about truth today. And, uh, and if we believe that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, then we ought to all be moving towards truth together. And hopefully that's what's happening in denominations. But uh, sometimes it gets tricky because you do have some theological diversity. And uh, some people would argue that's a good thing. Um, I'm not one of those people. I think, <laughs> I think unless we're moving towards truth together, uh, there's no virtue in theological diversity. But, um, so anyway, yeah, so we're proud members of the BMN and, uh, just a couple of things. So that, I guess that segues us into, uh, rebel news. I had a couple of things I wanted your thoughts on. Did you hear about this? Uh, I was about to say this old guy, but that's pretty disrespectful. He's a 70 year old, 70 year old guy, but, um, this guy up in Ottawa, uh, who was arrested. Um, he's the first guy to get arrested, uh, based on Canada's new bubble zone legislation. So we talked about oh, this boy. when it was, uh, yeah. So when it was, uh, kind of coming down, um, from on high, you know, King, King Trudeau. Um, and, uh, so this bubble zone legislation basically makes it illegal for Canadians to protest outside of an abortion clinic. And so there's, there's based on, um, the structure of where the clinic is and, and all that kind of stuff, there's, they have to be a certain amount of space away from the entrance and the exit. And the reason the liberals pushed this through was because they felt as though uh, women who were receiving abortions didn't need to also then be harassed, their terms, outside the abortion clinic and made uh, to feel shame over it. So anyway, all that to say, this guy named uh, Cyril, I don't know if it's Cyril or Cyril, um, Winter, he's 70 years old, uh, was arrested uh, early in February because he was uh, protesting outside an abortion clinic. So I'll get your thoughts on that, but let me just flush out the story a little bit. So this is ironic. He was wearing a sandwich board that on it, it said um, religious, uh, standing up for religious freedom and free speech. And then he got arrested. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird. It, yeah. And so uh, apparently he wasn't just standing outside the abortion clinic. He was walking up and down the street. And then, you know, as he got close to the abortion clinic, somebody obviously must have complained. And then the police officers came and arrested him um, when he was back in front of it after he'd uh, gone around the block again. So first of all, thoughts. And then I'm going to tell you something else about the story that's going to make you more angry. It it blows it blows my mind that one that this is a law in the first place, but we've kind of gone over that in previous episodes. Go back and listen. Um, it it it's, it blows my mind that this is a real thing in Canada that we can't protest, we can't have free freedom of speech right. anywhere. But it also just does my head in that this guy, this the man, got arrested for this. Yeah, that he's could potentially go to jail with drug dealers murderers, thieves, because he protested 
But he didn't even protest. He protested freedom of speech, a virtue in this country. <laughs> so, so what's interesting, okay, so here's the other side of the story that I told you would get you more angry. Number one, apparently his sandwich board sign, he got pre-approved by the police sergeant. So, so normally he wears a, uh, so he was actually trying to be law abiding here, which I wouldn't have, if, you know, if he came to me as, as his pastor, I would have advised just, just go with the anti-abortion sign that you always do. But he actually changed his sign to be about free speech as opposed to about abortion, um, and got that pre-approved by the sergeant goes down there, spends an hour there. And, uh, the second time he kind of was walking in front of the abortion clinic Get this, this is the other thing that's aggravating. Five police cars and eight officers arrived to arrest him. This is a 70-year-old guy with a sandwich board on. And five police cars and nine officers came to arrest him. Man, old man strength. You don't know. You don't well, know. Like, so honestly, like this is, this is a good use of our tax money and our officer's time. It takes nine officers to arrest one 70-year-old man who's advocating for free speech outside an, an abortion mill. Come on. This is this is un- yeah, this unbelievable. Is, this is where we live. Pray for us. Let, let's also point out all of the other ramic- ramifications of this. So he's arrested, which means anybody who's a police officer know that that's just copious amounts of paperwork. Yeah. Which also means... They have nine tax- officers to share between those. <laughs> <laughs> but that also means we're paying nine officers to have arrested this man. Yeah. This is nine officers who aren't Doing enforcing laws other way, like let's be honest, real laws, like, you know, investigating crimes, trying to get drugs off our street. Yeah. Domestic abuse. Any, any of these things. Yeah. Plus that means there's also going to be a court appearance. So it means we need a lawyer. We need all the court yeah. court people, the money, this, this single event probably cost the taxpayers in Canada hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's and I'm not even exaggerating about this yeah. no, because no. he wore a sign and walked on a sidewalk. Yeah. It's brutal. That wasn't offensive. Yeah. Like, and I would have no problems, like you said, if it was offensive. I would still not think he should be arrested for this. But he had a sign that says, I support, what is it? What was it? Free, free speech, speech and, and liberty or something? Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, freedom of religion and free speech. Well, that's much better yeah. than liberty. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, here I'll, I'll tell you about another uh, aggravating. So oh in, uh, in Hamilton County, Ohio... Uh, a judge recently ruled, the Judge Sylvia Hendon, uh, in juvenile court recently, uh, this, so this is going back, uh, again, early February, February 11th, uh, ruled in favor of taking a 17-year-old girl who identifies as a boy from her parents and granting custody to her grandparents. Um, her parents offered her counseling, um, both Christian and non-Christian counseling, um, for her depression and anxiety, um, but refused to allow her to undergo hormone therapy. Um, and now, now the, this is where the story gets a little bit interesting. So she asked for hormone therapy on Tuesday, and the call was made later that week. Um, that her parents were essentially being abusive. So it's not like this was, you know, years of of them, you know, um, denying her sexual orientation or anything like that, which, which I mean, we, we would still be talking about this if that was the case. But this is like within the week, she, you know, somebody's calling child services and she gets taken away from her parents 
um, because they won't give her hormone therapy. Sorry, how old was this kid again? 17. 17 years old? Yeah, 17. And they took her away from her? Her parents gave custody to the grandparents. Because she's having a bad week with her parents. Well, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize, minimize, yeah, you you can minimize that much. I don't want to minimize it that much, but I mean, again, so not only is this brutal that the state thinks it knows better than parents how to raise their kids. And, and, and I mean, I get that there are situations where kids need to be taken away from their parents, but to call it abuse to not allow your 17 year old daughter to undergo hormone therapy to become a boy um, when, when truthfully, and, and I mean this, no matter which side, um, I don't know how many people listen to us who would disagree with us on this, but they've turned it off long ago, but, uh, the research shows that, you know, a lot of these cases, a lot of gender dysphoria, um, people, people grow out of it, That's just, I mean, that the research is just out there. That's not something controversial. I'm saying the research just shows that. And there are a lot of non-Christians who people who are support uh, uh, gender uh, reassignment surgeries who are still saying that we need to be cautious because a lot of people just outgrow this. So the parents deny hormone therapy to their 17 year old uh, daughter and the process quickly, quickly happens where um, she gets taken away from them. Yeah. I I think the the biggest thing I I was, I wasn't trying to be flippant before, but the thing that scares me about this so much is the, is the idea that they called this abuse. And you, you kind of mentioned it, like, I, I, was, I wasn't abused as a, as a child. I, I'm not trying to minimize what that would be like, but I feel like if, if that was something you had actually suffered as a, as, as a child, it would be appalling to you for somebody to say that is abuse, that that right. is equal to what you went right. through. Yeah. And there are, there are times where I think the government and people should, should take a child away from parents if there is real abuse, if there's anything... Neglect, yeah. Neglect, sexual... Yeah. misconduct, anything like that. Absolutely. Call that abuse, punish, punish the offenders. If a parent is wisely saying, why don't you wait a year? Why don't we talk about this? Why don't we take time to do this? You can't, you shouldn't be just uh, not, no government should be allowed to just take the kid away from right. the parent in the situation. How, how far are we away in this situation from my 16, a 16 year old girl saying, well, I want to have sex with my boyfriend in your home and you being like, well, my parents won't let me because my parents don't want me to do that from right. you, from that being abuse to not let them do that or right. go out and get drunk on the weekends or not do their homework. Right. It's, it's a slope that we can't start down because where does it stop? Right. Well, I think, I think parents, um, have been neutered in, in our society for a long time now. And we see that so many, in so many homes, the kids are running the show right? That, that's just, that's just a sad reality. And, and this is another way that we're beginning to allow, um, like in, in what other realm, right? Or in what other realm are we allowing a 17 year old to dictate to her, you know, whatever 40 year old parents, um, what needs to happen in the home? And, and so there's, it's just a, it's just a really interesting world that we live in now where, 
um, you know, it, again, whoever cries victim the loudest um, gets uh, gets all the attention. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, it's sad. So there's lots of stuff going on in the world um, that uh, is worth chatting about. But uh, I, I just thought since those two pieces of news were particularly not funny and particularly scary, uh, just to remind everybody that we still wholeheartedly, we can't look at these newspaper clippings. We can't look at these, uh, these news items and uh, disparage or, you know, uh, we don't get as Christians to say, you know, I can't wait for God to take us home. Um, this world is our home, and uh, and heaven is the the stop that we get to take after death before we come back here. But ultimately, Scripture promises Psalm thirty seven that the wicked are uprooted from the land, that uh, the righteous inherit the earth. Uh, Jesus said that the meek inherit the earth, not the wicked. And uh, and John Jesus prom- or prayed in John seventeen that uh, he doesn't want us to be taken out of the world, but instead to be delivered from the evil one and to overcome the evil one. So um, this earth will be full of the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea and uh, no amount of newspaper clippings that uh, that make us feel otherwise is going to break the promises of God. So we say this stuff to you not to depress you, but to motivate you to get out there and, uh, and make a difference. Be salt and light. I agree. I feel a little depressed right now myself, though. All right. Well, then let's take a break, and uh, on that up. break, we'll uh, we'll uh, pump each other up with uh, uh, promises of God. We'll come back and talk about some truth. Are you afraid to open the last book of your Bible? Do you think you need special revelation to understand the book of Revelation? Are you scared you'll get left behind trying to understand all that symbolism? Are you afraid your brain might rupture trying to figure out when the rapture will happen? Relax, we've got good news for you. The book of Revelation is filled with many symbols and much imagery, but you can gain understanding by learning fundamental rules of interpretation and applying them properly to the biblical text. Let Pastor Nate Wright guide you through his Eschatology 101 video series. Check it out at rebelalliancemedia.com slash eschatology. That's Eschatology 101 with Nate Wright at rebelalliancemedia.com slash eschatology. Now, back to the Rebels. Welcome back. So, this is, we're about to talk about something. We're going to introduce a series we're going to be doing over the next little bit. Yeah. Um, this is something that birthed kind of over our winter period, as we as we say. Um, over the and we had an episode that came out that we got a lot of questions and a lot of like. It was one of our more popular episodes, actually. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Lots lots of people listening to it, sharing it, um, interacting with us about it, and the episode was just called "The Truth Apocalypse." Right. And so we analyzed culture as we tend to do a lot on this show. And we looked at the various lies um, that uh, the world is um, pushing forward and that Christians are starting to buy into. Uh, so in that episode, I, I would encourage you to go back and actually listen to it if you haven't heard it. Maybe you you started listening to us um, uh, since after that episode. But uh, it was an episode where we just kind of talked about the the contradictions in the secular worldview, uh, just some of the lies that, uh, that Christians have bought into. 
And, uh, and so we, we kind of got the idea based on the amount of feedback we got on that episode that we, this was a topic we wanted to delve into because that, that episode we found was very sweeping. We talked about a lot of different subjects and, and I, we didn't really feel like we jumped or, or dove deep into several of the topics. And so we thought if we take that, that premise, the, the truth apocalypse, this idea that um, truth is eroding around us, the, the value of, of truth has been all but lost in a postmodern world where everybody rejects the idea of universal truths and, uh, and absolute truths, um, you know, we, we're living in this chaotic world of relativism. So we, we talked about that in very sweeping ways, but we wanted to kind of dig a little deeper, right? So, so we had a lot of the questions we had was, how do you think this relates to entertainment? How do you think this relates to medicine? How do you think this relates to, you know, literature and all kinds of different areas? So we actually just want to take some time and uh, we've, we've worked hard to get some guests in that can help us with particular topics. And, uh, and so we're going to try to delve deep into this subject. Is that, is that a good is that a good kind of overview of, of where we're going with this? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's good. Why don't we tell them just kind of quick kits, some of the things we're going to talk about, not go into too much, but um, hope we're hoping to touch on no, in no particular order um, some of the lies the church believes, some yep. of the things that we're, we're doing inside the church. Yeah, compromises that we've made, exactly. you know, truth that we've suppressed about scripture, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, some of the lies in, in the medical culture, um, some of the lies that we tell ourselves and our families, um, some of the lies, just generic lies of God, God's law versus man's law, and just some of those things. These are some of the, like the overarching, there's a whole bunch more yeah. um, that we want to go into, but we're, like we said, like you said, we're going to have some, hopefully have some guests who can shed some light Help into navigate this. navigate us through these, uh, some tough topics. Yeah. Because we wanted to, I, and, and so the, here's the, here's the reality is that, um, so I, here's a passage of scripture that I think not a whole lot of people uh, maybe have committed to memory. Um, so if, if we were to ask you the question, you listener at home, or <laughs> wherever you are listening to. Generic our, listener seven. Yeah. Um, if we were to ask you, why was Jesus born? Like, what was the purpose? Why did Jesus come into the world? You would probably have all kinds of different answers. Just think about your answer to that right now. So if I, if I was in a classroom right now and you're one of my students and I said, why did Jesus come into the world? Well, you'd, you'd probably throw out answers like, he came to save us. He right. came to give us new life. Yep. Like all yep. the Christianese answers. Die for to, our sins. Die for our sins. You might have some people quoting Bible verses, right? He came to uh, bind up broken hearts and set captives free, all that kind of stuff. And those are all good answers, the right answers, right? To reconcile us to God, to, to save us from hell, to save us from sin, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. To fulfill Old Testament prophecies. Yeah, those are all right answers, but they're not the right answer that I'm looking for. <laughs> the answer that I'm looking for, because, and this is interesting. So um, Jesus actually specifically answered that question, like not in a roundabout way, just specifically. So if I read this passage of scripture to you, see if you can, um, see if you can, this is again, directed to the generic listener at home. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king for this purpose. I was born and for this purpose, I have come into the world to what? And, and, and probably a lot of our listeners might think, Oh, like he actually said that. What, what is it that he said? So you say that I'm a king for this purpose. I was born for this purpose. I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. 
bear witness to the truth. And then the very next line is everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Uh, the NIV actually, I love the way the NIV words this one. It says everyone who is on the side of truth hears my voice or listens to my voice. And, uh, and I like that because that implies that there are sides, right? That there's some sort of battle going on and the battle is between truth and lies. And, uh, and so I think that, um, one of the things that we, um, I guess sometimes don't think too much about are what are the lies that have taken us captive in all kinds of different areas, right? So um, we know that we are transformed, according to Romans 12, by the renewing of our mind. And so in our mind, we believe things. We believe things that are right and we believe things that are wrong. And so all the areas in which um, lies have taken us captive is areas of disobedience for us. So if we think wrongly about politics, if we think wrongly about um, mental health, if we think wrongly about the attributes of God, um, these are all areas essentially of disobedience because uh, God's word tells us that we have all that we need for life and for godliness. We can figure out the answers to these questions. God's law and God's word um, has things to say about everywhere. You, you can, there's nowhere you can go in academia. There's nowhere you can go in the world in which God has not spoken. He's spoken to the area of science. He has spoken to the area of anthropology. He has spoken to the area of culture. He has spoken to the area of the family. And, uh, and, and so often, if you look at what God's word says about something, and then you look at the culture, you realize that they're saying opposite things, right? So it, God's word says, for example, that in a home, the husband is the head of the wife. What do we have going on in culture? We have feminism running rampant. In fact, radical feminism that would that would go on to say, you know, a lot of the feminists that we, that uh, that are you know writing these days, you know, we have no need for men, or just the even now, right? The well, there's no nothing different between men and women because gender is socially constructed. So you see a breakdown of what God has clearly said in His Word. So um, there are all kinds of truth claims that the Bible makes, and there's all kinds of lies that the enemy has set up, and uh, I, I think there's a lot of ways that Christians have been held captive. Yeah, absolutely. I think the world, I think the world has been taken captive by almost this like idea that basically they've been taken captive by the, the idea that God doesn't exist, right? which means that he has not spoken into these areas, that he hasn't said what is true, that he hasn't testified to the truth. Um, and we, we leave out God. And so we look for answers in our own selves. And that what ends up happening is we come to conclusions like there is no difference between man and woman, like you said, that that there are all these things that the Bible very clearly says is not the case. But because we're looking in our own selves to find that answer, we, we're never going to find God there yeah. because we've taken him out of the equation. Yeah. And so what we want to do is we want to put him back into the equation in these areas. What did he say when he talked to, into the medical community? What did he talk about when he talked about the family, about the church? And I think, I think that's a good place to start. And I think we can see this in scripture. We were warned about this. Yeah. Paul's letter to the Romans. Um, let's actually, let's read it right now. Yeah, let's go there. Romans one, right? Romans one. Let's start in, actually, let's start in verse 16. And so we can show why, why we're going to go through the series while we're willing to do that. Yeah, yeah. And then we can just keep, keep going through there. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah, go for it. All right. So if you're with us, Romans one 16. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. For it is in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so we pick up in verse 18 where we want to just talk this morning, or this evening, I guess. <laughs> you just went into preaching mode. I, I, you just I, I, went I into totally, total preacher this mode. This is where we want to go this yeah. morning. Please open your Bibles this morning to you. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do. <laughs> The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. I, if I was preaching this, I would stop there and <laughs> preach it. <laughs> we're just doing preach it. it. Preach we're just it. Doing it. Uh, what it, what it, says, it says, everybody knows the truth, but they suppress it. So yeah. there isn't, there isn't an alarm. Everybody actually knows what is right and wrong yeah. already. Yeah. We just suppressed it because we're wicked. Yeah. That's what it's saying. Yeah, this is actually so. Whenever when I'm whenever I'm talking about this verse, I always uh, use the controversial phrase that the Bible makes the claim that there's no such thing as an atheist, hmm. right? There are tons of people who would who would identify self-identify as an atheist. Um, the Bible actually says there's no such thing as that because it actually goes on in verse 19. It says, uh, "What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them." For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. So the idea here is that they know that when anybody looks at the world around them, understands, you know, that this is not a survival of the fittest world because things like compassion and empathy exist, love exists and art exists, and the world around us is created in a particular order and, and with particular systems and exudes um, the revelation of design and a designer. What this is saying is it's plain to them. It's so plain to them that they have to make excuses and they have to suppress the truth they know about God and exchange it, it says, for a lie. Um, so there's no such thing as an atheist. And, uh, and uh, all those who are in opposition to God, all non-Christians are in the business of active suppressing of truth. Yeah, exactly. And the, what's great here is it actually goes on to show what happens in a culture when that happens. Yeah, so go so for let's, it. So let's read it out because this is what we're going to be talking about, right? Yeah. So verse 24, if you're still following along with us. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their heart, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies to, with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men who abandoned their natural relations with women were inflamed for lust with one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Their error. Furthermore, just that they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they do not ought do what ought not to be done. They became filled with every kind of wickedness, wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. 
They invent ways of doing evil. They disobeyed their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. If you, if you just read those last few lines, that sounds like our world today. Yep. That sounds like a world that nothing, nothing is black and white. Everything is gray. Everything can be, you can be whatever you want to be. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. You can't tell me I can't do one thing versus another thing. I can do whatever is good for me. That makes me happy. That sounds like the kind of world we're living in right now. Yeah, totally. And I think, um, I mean, so even the very last line of, of, uh, chapter one there, verse 32. So you're absolutely right. Um, you know, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, uh, disobedient to parents, all those things. And then verse 32 says, though they know God's righteous decree and that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And one of the things that I've been saying for a long time with um, the sexual revolution is that it, it's not just now that they that those who are practicing sexual deviancy of all kinds, I'll just lump it all together, are not only looking for to not be condemned for it, but now they want to be celebrated for it, right? It's not enough now for the church not to condemn homosexuality. We have to celebrate it along with them. We need to celebrate in the parades. We need to say good for you. We need to praise and clap when people come out. We need to wear purple on pride days. We need to, you know, all of those things. And that's just one subculture of the sexual revolution. So that's, that's a prophetic verse if there ever was one. And, uh, and that's, that is the culture that we're living in. And so in a culture that has suppressed the truth about God, and, and I mean, obviously it, it talks about, you know, the, um, the consequences of being involved in, in consistent um, suppression of God and his truth. Continual willful rebellion towards God leads you to all kinds of unnatural things. Homosexuality is listed in this passage as one of those things, but there are all kinds of different things. And so one of the reasons we want to jump into this series is because <clears throat> those lies or those, those truths about what God has spoken have been suppressed in, in every area, right? So if you look at the area of anthropology, right, who is man? Um, the Bible says man is uh, desperately wicked. Right. Uh, I think it's Genesis chapter six that says um, the, the heart of man is desperately wicked and, and the thoughts of his heart are only evil all the time. Right. <laughs> uh, we talk a lot about Romans three. There's no one good. No, not one. No one seeks for God. No one understands. Right. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Um, that's the biblical picture of man born into sin, born a hater of God, born spiritually dead. What does the world say about who man is? Basically good right? That we are born good, that it's society or that it's religion that taints us. Or that, circumstances. Or, or circumstances that, that, that taint us. In fact, if you look at what, is, what, does, salvation, what does salvation to man, what, so the anthropology of man is that they're evil and in need of, of saving, of rescuing, to be brought back into relationship with their creator. That's what the Bible says. They need to be brought back into relationship with their creator. And the only way for them to be saved is through the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. What does the world say? How are we saved? We look deep within ourselves and whatever version of you you find there, you pull out 
and you self-actualize, right? That's in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The highest need, the pinnacle of man is to self-actualize, to, to, to look deep within themselves and figure out who they are and who they want to be, whether that's single or married or gay or straight or a boy or a girl or a unicorn, whatever the case may be, whatever you find in there, you pull out, you live that out enthusiastically, you celebrate who you are, you get everybody around you to celebrate who you are, and that's what saves you. That's what brings satisfaction. The Bible says the exact opposite. The more you look inside yourself, the more you're going to find sin. The more you pull out what's inside, the more evil atrocities you're going to commit. So the anthropology of uh, what our society believes about who we are and, and, and how we become happy and satisfied is directly opposed to the word of God. And what we're going to find as we go through all different areas is that we're going to find that that's true in all kinds of different areas, right? Absolutely. And so um, we're going to look into, you know, e- even in, in, in medicine, right? So in, in the pursuit of medicine, one of the things that we're, we're hoping to get uh, somebody in who can help us uh, navigate through some of these things. But, you know, again, in, um, in the Bible, you look at, for example, I'm thinking of, I think it's in John chapter 9, when Jesus heals the man who was born blind, right? And remember his disciples are saying, who sinned? Who sinned? Was it him who sinned or his parents who sinned who um, caused this man to be born blind? And then Jesus essentially ignores their question, says, don't look back on why this happened, but instead um, this this man uh, is dealing with this so that God's glory can be revealed in his life. So um, in the Bible, um, physical ailments... Jesus healing, the healing of the apostles are always pointing back to the glory of God and um, our true actual concern, right? It, so um, somebody gets healed. I'm thinking again of, I think it's Acts chapter three or Acts chapter four, where the, the lame guy gets healed outside the temple. Um, and, uh, and then Peter uses that as an opportunity to preach the gospel. Everybody's marveling that the, the guy who was lame for 40 years is jumping up and down and praising God. Well, the major, the the big idea of that chapter is that he got saved. Not that his legs started working, but that his heart started working. And uh, and so in medicine now, we are at the point where we are playing God. We decide who lives. We decide who dies. We decide who's sick. We decide who gets healed. We think we can heal everything. We think we can stop life in the womb. We think we can end life when we want it to end with euthanasia. The Bible paint, paints a picture of a sovereign God. Psalm 139 says that every, um, uh, every day of your, our lives was written in God's book before any one of them came to pass. God is sovereign. He numbers your breaths. He numbers your days. And in medicine, we are um, now beginning to play God, denying some the access to life and ending the lives of others prematurely. Um, so in, in, in every area, we are suppressing the truth of scripture and embracing lies in our culture. So we just kind of want to go through some of that. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry, spoiler alert. Well, I, I'm, I'm excited I'm about some of these topics, so I'm just like jump, jumping all over. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's one thing we wanted to like point out in this episode, because this is a bit of a... A, a teaser so so to speak for the next <laughs> like few teaser, yeah. this is the teaser for the actual episodes to come but this is something that we've been we've been gearing towards for a while yeah and this is a like we've had a number of episodes leading up to this that we wanted to get out before before this started because once we start on this we we're going to be on this for a little while yeah and we want to really dig into these things because thinking biblically about a lot of these things that 
you know, it's easy to say I'm against euthanasia. I'm, I'm, it's easy to say I'm against medical marijuana. I'm, and we're going to maybe talk about that, maybe not. Um, but it's hard to understand for, for us in our culture why we're against it. It's, right. not, it's not as easy just to say, well, I'm against it, but not have the reason of right. why the Bible says that I should be against right. it. And that's what we want to unpack for you guys so that those conversations around the water cooler that you have with your friends and your family and your work coworkers, you can, when these topics come up, because this is what people talk about. Right. These things come up all the time. Well, and this is the thing. This is the thing that I want to get out there. So like... We, we all see articles get posted on social media. We hear the conversations about pe- from people, like you said, around the water cooler. I don't, I don't work in an office with a water cooler, so... I, you have a water cooler. There's a, there's a water cooler. Yeah, but there's only two employees at the church, so we don't, we don't spend a whole lot of time at the water cooler. But, uh, <laughs> so, but my, say the coffee pot. The coffee pot. There you go. That works. Um, but uh, the, here's the thing is, you know, whether, whether the issue is um, guns or government or euthanasia, or healthcare, or welfare, or mental illness. Like these are the everyday topics that come up in conversation. And here's the point, is that the Bible has something to say about those things. Like one of the, one of the things that we are most passionate about here on this podcast is the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the Word of God has something to say about every area of your life. You don't get to come to church on Sundays or tune into Rebel Alliance on Wednesdays, and, and then sorry, and Fridays, and Fridays. Um, you don't, and and then live the same as everybody else the rest of the week. It, as a Christian, you are somebody who is submitted to the Lordship of Christ, and that means something. That means that he gets to dictate what your position is on social issues, on fiscal issues. He's the one who gets to, his word comes to bear. That's what obedience looks like. When it says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, that means what I've commanded about everything. So um, I remember one time um, I I heard a sermon by Tabidi, and he said, um, Christianity is multi-ethnic, but it's not multicultural. I thought that was a really interesting mm-hmm. phrase. And it's a really interesting phrase because what he was essentially saying is that um, the, the, the kingdom of God brings into itself um, some, like people from every tongue, every tribe. But that doesn't mean that you bring that culture, right, your ethnic culture into Christianity. When you become a Christian, you surrender your ethnic culture, your socioeconomic culture, your, you know, um, whatever... Uh, whatever subculture culture you have um, the, the point is is that the kingdom of God has a culture you adopt that culture when you come in that means it it dictates where you stand on these issues it dictates how you think it dictates how God Jesus Christ dictates where you stand on issues and what you believe about the world around you and so all we want to do is we want to lead you with the word of God into those different areas so that you believe truth, not lies. And and I guess the, the verse I wanted to get to, I know we're running short on time, so let's maybe end here, and I want to get your thoughts on, on this verse. Um, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it's talking about... Uh, and, and because here's the, here's the thing, this is a battle. We talk about the cultural battles here. We talk about cu- the, cu- the culture war, getting engaged in the, in the war for the world, really. 
that we are on the side of light. Colossians 1 tells us that we have been brought into the kingdom of light and we are combating the kingdom of darkness. I remember when we had Doug Wilson on, one of my favorite lines that's ever been stated on a rebel podcast is when uh, Doug Wilson says, when Jesus came to the earth, he took the devil's stuff. Like that's why it's one of the reasons he came. So it is a war. And in 2 Corinthians 10, talking about that war, it says in verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So Christianity is is not a, a physical warfare kind of religion, that, though it is a warfare religion, because verse four goes on to say, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So the idea there is that we have all, because we live in a culture full of lies, have believed things contrary to the word of God. And so what this warfare looks like before you get on social media and start arguing, you know, the Christian view on, on whatever the issue is, before you get there, you have to do the hard work of going through your own thinking, going through every thought and making every disobedient thought obedient to Christ. In other words, you have to exchange back the lies you've believed for the truth of God. And so we're going to try to help lead you there through the word of God. Sounds fantastic. I can't wait. <laughs> Sorry, I talked a long time. I looked back <laughs> over at you and you, your eyes are glazing over. I'm just mind boggled by your your knowledge at the moment. Okay, well, so that's what we're talking about. Truth Apocalypse. Any other teasers you want to throw out there? Anything in, in, Anything else you want to say about the Truth Apocalypse? You've been the driving force behind this series, so I just want, I want you to convey your passion. Use your hands. The hands are up here. <laughs> The hands are origami. No, I, I, like I said, we're, we're very excited for the, for this coming up. And I think next week. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Next, next week, I think we're going to have a very special guest. Yeah. yeah. Author, theologian, pastor. Next Tim week. Bailey. Oh, we're going to say his name. Oh, I did. I, I yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. It's Tim out Bailey there now. It's, it's out there now. Yeah. We're going to have author, Tim Bailey here. Author of the grace of shame. He's, yeah. he's going to be in here with the rebels talking about. A lot of what we talked a little bit about today, but he's going to break it down for us about um, human sexuality human and the sexuality, lies we believe. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That's it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So tune in next week, Truth Apocalypse, uh, launching into the series. Uh, thanks for joining us. Keep joining us. Find us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. All the all the social media things. Yeah, I'll do all those things. Like, comment, because Facebook actually now suppresses anything that isn't liked and commented on. Yeah. Because that's just the way they roll. So that's if you the can the roll. more the more comments and the more likes and shares we get, the better it is to get this message out. Yeah. Not for us, but for his glory, because we want to spread the truth that we're gonna be talking about for the next couple weeks. Absolutely. We'll see you next week.